difficult time, historic era, uncertain time, changing environment, no, unprecedented times. No, that's too damn many syllables. Oh, hello everybody. I'm trying to figure out how to start off this podcast and I was trying to cop some of the words that I've received in emails from every business on earth recently where they talk about uh, the historic environment that we are now living in which all of which is true but I guess it's no real way to start off a podcast so let me just welcome you once again to Off-Road an RLTP podcast with me Pete Pomisano and this week we're on a regular schedule and I'm going to be presenting to you some of the remaining interviews that I made over the phone with people over the last couple of weeks when I talked to some theater pals of mine and to give them the opportunity to uh, vent about what happened with their show and what happened with their theater experience because many shows, as you know, were shut down, many shows uh, were interrupted, and other shows didn't even get a chance to start. This week, I'll be speaking to Mr. Chris Kelly, one of the most well-known, most liked, and most in-demand actor-directors in town. And I will be speaking also to the lovely Miss Jamie Nablo, whose show Scotch and Madness at the Alleyway was closed early. And finally speaking to, it's a twofer. I had both Kelly Cops and Steve Cops. Kelly, of course, to talk about what's going on with Second Generation. They, of course, had to cancel Three Tall Women And from what I understand, they may also be canceling Cabaret. And Steve was one of the very unfortunate people who was involved in the the curious case of the dog in the nighttime, which went right up to opening day and closed. Very sad story. And they all have plenty to say about all of it. So here we go. Starting things off with Mr. Chris Kelly, talking about his experience at Toy and the closing of The Outsiders. But I see you're hiding your pink hair, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't have the guts. This is going to be audio, right? Oh, yeah, it's audio only. Right, so, I mean, <laughs> why waste it? No, I even took a shower, even though I didn't need to. I did as well, as well, as well. <laughs> how, how are you holding up, my friend? Um, I don't know. It's really, it's really strange. I think I, um, I sort of am swinging back and forth between major anxiety and and sort of then just trying to busy myself um with stuff i teach for those who don't know uh high school and one middle school class so i am still working and that's been that's been something trying to figure out how to teach theater via google classroom yeah so that actually that actually probably thankfully took up a bunch of time this last week just uh just trying to set up all my different classrooms and and create assignments that kids can do and turn in digitally. Chris, what's your obligation? I don't I don't how do I put this? Not obligation, but when are you expected to turn in lessons or to keep up with some kind of communication with the kids? So we were told to because our spring break would have started on April 10th. So right. we were told to come up with basically assignments through 
the 9th, and we had to have that done on Wednesday after getting this directive on Monday. Wow. So, so very, very, very quickly. And I mean, they talked to us. Oh, gosh. It's, it's just all a blur now. They talked to us. We had like a quick emergency meeting at the end of the day, Thursday or Friday, sort of where they said, listen, this, is, this hasn't happened yet, but this is probably going to happen. Um, so start thinking about how you can move your lessons online, a way to do it. But sort of, sort of our directive, and I know everyone's is different, is that we need to we need to make sure that the kids are checking in with us at least a couple times a week, and to have assignments that that sort of demand that they have some sort of response response to it. Um, but but for me in my classes, I and mean, we often do projects that could go on that could go on a week. So I've given them different things to do. Um, Luckily, some of the digital theater services have often offered up memberships that are free for a month, um, so kids can at least watch things and respond to things, which is which is cool. Um, I I like some of the things I've come up with, but um, I haven't heard from all of my students, most of them, which which is good. But yeah, really, um, to get back to your question, a lot a lot was thrown at all of us at once. But um, I mean, comforted by the fact that. You know, I, I belong to a couple professional development theater uh, teacher groups online. Um, I was going to ask you if you had uh, online resources that you have been able to tap. The... Thank God, because if not, <laughs> I would have been a little out to sea. But um, there's something called the Drama Teacher Academy, which is awesome. Um, and people were just sort of on that Facebook site and then on the website, the file sharing page, just sharing all of their ideas and sharing all their lesson plans and brainstorming back and forth and coming up with really cool, amazing stuff because sort of, um, and that's a, that's a global community around the world, sort of everyone's having to do this. And there are teachers that are in that community that are, that are in China, et cetera, that have been having to do this already, that were like coming in via FaceTime or, or whatever you call it on there um, and sort of saying, this is what I've been doing and this is what's been working and this is what has, hasn't been working. Wow. It's crazy. It's nuts. It's a lot. I feel like I feel like with all of that, I sort of haven't had as much time to, to ponder everything that's going on. And that's a good thing. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast, frankly. I, I, I was scheduled to just, you know, I've got some other podcasts already in the can, so to speak, expected to, to be released. But I thought, geez, while I'm sitting home, I really, I really wanted to sort of gather a community of, of voices and, and sort of not, not commiserate, I don't want to whine about things, but just see how everybody's doing and see how, how, things, how things went down for them and, and what we have in common and what we don't have in common. So that's part of the reason why I reached out to you. I'm trying to get somebody from every theater company that, well, because I was going to say that had to close down, but they all did. Um, but everybody closed down in sort of a different way in a different time, and some people didn't get to open at all. Those are the really heartbreaking ones. So, uh, what? Tell me what went on down with you and the outsiders. Well, I guess like many of us, I'm sure, because um, when most of the shows were opening, which was the weekend before, I believe your show opened, right? And a number of shows opened. A number of shows, all well reviewed. Might hang on. Everything's a four star show when they have to be shut down. Everything's wildly popular. But I guess 
I wasn't taking it as seriously as many of us were um, the weekend before. Certainly were aware of it, but I just, I don't know, I just didn't believe that it was going to turn into what it's turned into. So we opened Wednesday morning to 460 kids. My students were there, which I'm glad about because I was able to then put turn that into online assignments. But my students were there. We had another show Thursday. And maybe it was, maybe it was, see, I, I was a toy, but in the meantime, I was also at school hearing those things that were going to be going on. And I think I heard from our school in a letter Thursday evening that all after school activities are suspended, all field trips are canceled. And I thought that I'm like, well, if our school is canceling field trips, then what is the what's the future for the outsiders gonna be? It's all field trips. It's all kids well, coming from schools. Sure. And and quite frankly, someone from Toy had said to me that the majority of the school shows were sold out for the outsiders in September. And there's tons of school shows. I'm sorry, Chris. What age group were you uh, selling to mostly? Middle school, high school, lots of, mostly middle school, but but high school as well. So we knew that if the schools were not allowing field trips, then no one was talk, saying it out loud, but sort of like, where can this go? I guess in my mind at the time, I thought, because the directive at the time, I mean, it changed daily, as you know, was well, you, could, you could do it, but it had half capacity, so, which is what we did. Excuse me, when we opened the show Saturday afternoon, to half capacity. And I guess in my mind, I thought, well, maybe we can at least keep doing those public shows. And because there were probably six other public shows across the weekends after that, that I thought, well, maybe at least we can do, at least we can do these. But that obviously, <laughs> that obviously changed. Because I think it was you and us and Hand of God that were still up and running. And then by Sunday, that was not the case. That was not the case anymore. We cl we closed in between shows on Saturday. I know I had tickets to see it on Saturday. We had the Saturday afternoon show, and then uh, and then got some bad news, and bang, and they just they just sit right down. And 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 as you said, we're all thinking, uh, is something going to happen? It feels like something might happen here, and we're looking around and we're wondering. But once it hit the fan, everybody fell like dominoes. Right. Right. I remember hearing early midweek, maybe. Uh, I don't, again, I don't know what day, but someone saying one of the theaters, oh, they might, they might cancel their the rest of their season. And me, and at the time, me thinking like, that's ludicrous. That's crazy. Why would you cancel the rest of your season? <laughs> Just postpone for a few days. But even still, I'm, and I'm curious how you feel about this. And I, and who knows, this is such an evolving, an evolving topic. But I found it strange that they just said the Curious Incident is just canceled completely, rather than saying, for example, postpone it or put it in next year, because you have all these people that are ready to go. Yes. Props, the costumes, the set, the lighting cues, the sound cues. And I, and I guess I wonder about that in general. Well, Chris, I have to tell you, I've been speaking to people. You're about the last person I've gotten to. Uh, I have a couple more potential down the road. But almost everybody is talking about the possibility of bringing things back. I mean, I talked to Steve Cops last night, and even he said that there, there are whispers about it. Nobody wants to make any strong commitment, although, you know, Dan Ertz with Hand to God, he said that they're, they're making very concerted efforts to bring it back, and even, even indecent. We're talking about maybe can we do it for a week in the summer? Can we do it for a couple of days? Can we get together and just video record it? So almost everybody I've spoken to, Dave Lundy told me that they definitely want to bring back the Onion Game. 
Well, second generation, they're mm-hmm. definitely going to bring back three tall women. The problem right. is many of them have to skip a season. So right. they're not even talking about next year. They're talking about 21, 22. Because everybody, as you probably have figured out, everybody's got next season already determined. Some people are locked sure. into contracts. Some people are locked into dates. Sure. So they're not about to, to squeeze something into next season. And that that becomes really tricky. So tricky. I mean, I guess I would think... And again, I am not a theater producer. I am a hired gun. But I would think if I have this show that ran for a week or didn't open at all or whatever the case, that's all ready to go, why now when this hopefully clears, why am I going to start rehearsing some brand new thing when I have this other thing that's ready to go? In my mind, in my mind. Well, you know, the other thing is, Chris, what was your set like? Because I was saying to to Steve, you know, can, can that set, because I don't know if you saw pictures of the dog in the night, some of it looked gorgeous and and the other thing is some of them are not there's nothing going on over the summer except Shakespeare and I did speak to Lisa they're still planning to do Shakespeare but maybe we should do a, a little something in the summer maybe some yeah. of these theaters could especially if your set is right there an example is indecent set is still up they've canceled the fifth slot show so that that show could that set could stay up till September or, or mid-August, why couldn't, assuming that things do quiet down and things become more sane, I understand, personally, I understand why they don't want to, a lot of them have already worked out advertising and brochures for next season. They can't just slap a show in, but why not over the summer as a bonus for a weekend or even two weekends, say, two Fridays, two Saturdays. Here we go, July 15th or something. I mean, I think people will be dying to go do something, too. I think they will be. (laughs) I'm going to be. Yes, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, and I think that's the best chance is that maybe they, as everything springs back to life, no pun intended, if it, it springs back to life, I think people, you're absolutely right, people are going to be desperate to get out and do something, and I think everybody's going to want to contribute. It's sort of like this business about getting takeout from restaurants to help them stay alive. I think everybody's going to want to contribute to help to keep the theaters alive. I agree, I agree, because I know too, I mean, again, not just tell stories out of school, but, you know, I know people already that have been laid off from their from their daytime theater job. For the outsiders, basically huge and smaller sheets of corrugated metal that fly out. They could fly them out and be rehearsing something else and fly them in and do it, which which I would love because, of course, and I, and I don't know how you feel about this, just with all of this going on and all this stuff to process, and again, <laughs> I don't usually use phrases like this, but I haven't, I haven't felt like I've had time to sort of like mourn the fact that the show got canceled. I've just sort of like, oh, well, can't deal with that right now. Now I have to deal with all these other pressing, like, is the world ending kind of concerns rather than, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And in a way, it's, a, it's sort of a blessing that you've had to focus on schoolwork. And again, that's part of the reason why I'm doing this is, is to keep my, myself sane, to give me something to do. Because I'm going to take all of these things, I'm going to edit them. It takes, <laughs> it takes some editing and it takes some, sure. some time. So I'm just doing that to keep myself sane. So in a way, it's a blessing in disguise that you have these requirements at, at school and <laughs> frankly, you're gonna miss them when the, the, the hits the vacation time and you don't need to turn in stuff. Do you have something coming up next year you can talk about that you might start working on just for your own sanity right now? Well, I, you know, and again, and again. Uh, well, I, maybe you can't talk about it because things haven't been announced. Talk about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are they gonna do to me now? Right, right. 
Right. As far as I know, I haven't checked all the news today. The Irish summer show is still has not been canceled yet. I mean, I, I assume it could be next, but that that in theory is something that opens a little bit into June. So yeah, I spoke to David Lundy, and he was saying that that's still up in the air. Right. Right. How about next, next season? Next season, well, interesting. Interestingly enough, on Sunday, the day last Sunday, when everything sort of was getting canceled, we're supposed to have callbacks for nice work that you can get at that I'm supposed to direct for Curtain Up at Musical Fair, and we were going to have them, and then not going to have them, and then we just obviously not to not to have the callbacks. Lots of people in a room, sweaty, doing a dance call. Seems <laughs> like you know, not a good idea. <laughs> so might be tempting fate just a little bit. Right. Right. But that, you know, that has Mark Sacco and Michelle Benson starring in it. It's already a really good, it's already a really good, good group. So hopefully, um, I know ooh, Musical Fair has moved their spring show into the summer as of now. So I, I hope we follow that. I, there was a show that I'm excited about that I'm supposed to do a toy in January. Maybe that could become the Outsiders again. Who knows? It's a possibility. I'm actually going to direct at Buff State next year, which is cool. So, you know, if, 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 I guess. I mean, I'm just trying to think of things that keep you keep you sane, sure. keep you sane right now. I actually, I worked on a couple years ago, my friend Billy Huff is a, oh gosh, how would I even describe him? He's like a punk rock cabaret performer who works a lot in Provincetown, Massachusetts in the summers as well as in New York in the winters. And he and I worked on a music video for a song of his, and we filmed a lot of stuff, filmed a lot of stuff with people here, actually, and and him, um, and filmed stuff in Provincetown. And the idea for it just hadn't quite gelled. And we're always like, oh yeah, we're gonna get back to this, we're gonna get back to this, and of course get way too busy. And the other night I was sitting here and I'm like, oh hell, I have all of that video footage and literally nothing to do so right. i just started playing with it and i think he and i are going to facetime later today and figure out a way to do it and whatever it'll be it will be but even with that four hours went by um and i felt engaged in something creative when i was working on it by myself the other night i'm going to need to find things like that sure. what's interesting is getting yourself in a mindset because i'm sitting here i'm completely by myself and i'm doing these th things and then Last night after I finished talk, I talked to Kelly and Steve, of course, after they put the kids to bed. You know, so I finished talking to them. It's like 10 o'clock, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I wish I had time to edit this now. And then I'm thinking, what? Well, you got all day tomorrow, and you got all day the next day. <laughs> to get yourself in a mindset where I'm not going anywhere. I have, a, I have nothing but time to devote to projects like this and like the one you were just, you were just referring to. That's, if there is a blessing in disguise, if there is a silver lining, uh, maybe we'll get all the stuff done that we've been, I, I don't know about you, but I've been putting a lot of stuff on the back shelf. Most so many things, so many things. And even just, I mean, even just something as simple as, I have tons of photographs that I've had enlarged and, and I'm going to frame all of them and yes. post in a frame and I'm going to put them up and I'm going to read you know, all these old show posters and all this stuff that I'm going to do that I never do. Stack of books to read that I have. The first thing to do is to make a list and, and every day this, uh, on my list of things to do is make up my list of things to do. <laughs> because, and every day I forget to do it because I've been busy doing stuff, but I'm sure this is going to run out. But to make up a list of all of the projects, as you just said, that I lie in bed sometimes at night and I think, oh, you know what? I should, 
I should do this, and I, I should keep a little pad next to the bed to write. As a matter of fact, when I got the brainstorm to do this podcast with all of these different voices, oh, I couldn't sleep that night. I got a bed, you know, because I, I'm still under the, the the false feeling that I'm running out of time. I'm not running out of time. I got plenty of time. <laughs> no, and I, and I more more ideas have been coming in um, one of these professional development communities for online work. Uh, and I thought to myself the other day, I'm like, oh well, oh well, I already turned in all my stuff. And I, and I thought, Chris, you turned in your stuff through April nine. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean there's not going to be a whole other wave of. You are not um, finished, my friend. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so, man. Um, you know, kids are asking about regents exams, and I, I think they're gonna. Well, I think I think they're gonna be canceling all sorts of standardized tests. At least that's what I heard. Pass them all. Pass well, them all. Well, there's next year. <laughs> Forget it. Everybody this year passes. We'll get you for trigonometry next year, or what, or whatever. I hope that, that I hope I hope that they do. I hope they do something like that. Because in light of things like this, how important are those? They're they're just right. trivial compared to. So trivial, so trivial. And, and I mean, just hopefully that all of us that are teaching are going to at least keep, be able to do something to keep kids engaged, do something to stay in contact with kids. And rightfully so, there are a lot of kids who are, who are very anxious about this. Sure. Um, keep them busy. So, I, I, and I think, and I think too, you know, I know there are generally concerns I'm seeing just in the news about, you know, what do you do with kids who go to a resource teacher several times a week and just, yeah. And especially, I think, when, when you think about all of that and then a, a regent's exam, it just doesn't. Really, in the, in the, in the scale of things, when you look yeah. back at it. Have you, le have you left the house at all? You personally? Yeah, I, I, I went grocery shopping. And, and I don't even, you know, I've got, an, honestly, Chris, I've got stuff around here for, I have enough bo boxes of pasta and cereal to last me till, you know, Christmas of 2024. But I want, you know, I like to get fresh vegetables and lettuce and tomatoes. I went to Wegmans yesterday, which, which on any given day is taking your life. Just is crazy. I yeah. Feel, like usually crazy. There was still, I don't know, beyond the the toilet paper and Clorox wipes, <laughs> it seems like there was still plenty of yes. plenty of food. Yeah, there, there's plenty of food. If people stop, there was plenty of meat and chicken and everything at Aldi and at Tops. There was there's plenty of stuff. People just have to fight off the the uh, instinct to go crazy and to fear the unknown. Right. It's, it's yeah. I I vary each day how much I've been following the news. That's the other thing. Keep the freaking TV off. A friend of mine has the TV on twenty four hours on CNN. I said you're gonna you're gonna make yourself crazy. It, believe me, watch watch the news at six. Watch it at eleven. If anything, the world's not gonna end without letting you know. So you'll get a phone call from somebody, but just... Um, I've also been trying to order to-go from restaurant, local restaurants once a day. I have, too. My, my roommate, Adam Rath, suggested to someone on the phone yesterday that there could be, like, a freshman 15 from this whole thing. <laughs> People, like, sitting around and eating too much. That's one thing that I need to do this week. I'm going to have to try to do something. Um, yes, make a schedule, a list of things to do, and put a schedule... Somebody told me that uh, when you get up in the morning, make your bed and get dressed. So now I get dressed, I take a shower, I, I, I do some, you know, exercises, I do some yoga, 
uh, just anything to keep my my sanity. Yes, me too. I have to. I have to. But yeah, I thought of that. I thought of that the other day. I went outside yesterday, and I, I thought, like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've had the flu for days, and I'm just walking outside for the first time. Listen, Chris, I appreciate you talking to me, and take care of yourself, my friend. You too, man. We will make it through this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I will see you soon. I hope. I hope so too, Chris. Take care. Okay. Bye. 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 Now on to Jamie Nablo from the Alleyway Theater in Scotch and Madness. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing? How are you, Peter? I, I'm good. I, I'm sorry. Let me switch around here so you can at least see my ancient face. <laughs> well, you're looking lovely this morning at 11 o'clock in the morning. You should be. I don't know how I didn't sleep last night. I have such anxiety. Uh, I work at the bank and we haven't closed yet. I was going to ask you what your because you you wrote to me that you were considered essential personnel and where you were working. I'm at Citizens Bank. I'm a senior teller, so I've seen hundreds of people this week. So yeah, it's been a week. I only cried like three times yesterday. So. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, well, now yeah. I feel terrible. It's nice getting to talk to someone other than Ryan and and I have a friend staying with me because it's just safer for her to be here. So. Oh, well, that's nice of you. And and it's and it's nice that you have other people around to talk to. Part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I'm so lonely. No, that's all right. I'm, but I talk to my granddaughters and I talk to my daughter. They're down in Atlanta and I talk to them as much as I can. But they're busy. They're trying to handle two little kids. Well, little. One's 13 and one's 11. But still, they're trying to... They're at that age where they realize what's going on and they're probably getting stir-crazy, too. A little bit, a little bit. So uh, tell me what you're doing with yourself. You're working all day long? I, I've worked my whole 40 hours. Wow. Well, the good news is you still have a paycheck coming in, so there's... I'm grateful for that. I wish it was under better circumstances. But I, I do still have a paycheck coming in. The one nice thing Citizens is doing, though, is for some locations did get their hours cut down. They are providing everyone with their full allotted time for paychecks. So if their eight-hour shift got cut down to five hours, they can still put in an eight-hour shift. I'm just like the, the rare exception that I actually am scheduled to work the full 40 hours. So I'm not losing anything, but I'm also getting that full 40 hours of exposure. Do you? So when you handle money and things, do you have gloves that you wear that you brought from home, as you said? A coworker went to Harbor Freight last week and bought a box of gloves, but yeah. that is the one box for right now. I don't know if they'd be able to find any more at this point. Are they rubber gloves? Yeah, they're nitrile, and we sanitize them between every customer still. <laughs> Where, what branch office are you at? I'm at the one in Depew on Transit and Lawson, right in front of Wegmans and across the street from Walmart. I went to the store the other day, and there was a couple who went in. At, well, I was coming in, and I saw them walking out with two giant toilet paper bundles. And then when I was in there picking out my fruit and stuff, I noticed they were there with two more bundles of giant toilet paper, and yeah. I thought, oh, oh well, that, okay, fine. So then I, I checked out and all that. And as I was getting into my car, they were leaving their car to go back in to get two more giant toilet paper bundles. People, mm -hmm. are, people have gone nuts. Yeah, we, we went to the grocery store last night at about 9 o'clock. It was about an hour before the tops closest to me closed. It pretty deserted. Paper products were all gone, but we don't really need them. We're, we're fine as we are right now. We just got enough for, you know, the three of us for about maybe a week and a half, two weeks, and yeah. in and out, I brought a couple sanitizing wipes that I had wiped down everything. So tell me a little bit about the Scotch and Madness and how it went down and uh, how um, everybody's feeling. So the playwright Tatiana, 
her and uh, Paul Jensen, they wrote the play together, but like remotely. So it's kind of funny that they bounced it back and forth and were rarely together. We had three weeks of performances, so the audiences that we talked to, they all had different perceptions of it. And it was really neat because I personally, I don't think I understood fully what was going on just because I wasn't part of the big part of the madness of it. I came in at the beginning and the end for the most part. But what they thought is one person worked with at-risk children and she saw how, how that affected them. And then we had the Young Society come in and these were intelligent people talking about stuff we never even dreamed of putting into this performance that they got out of it. At one point, Tim's character talks about being in a Japanese hospital with pneumonia and having a high fever and hallucinating. And I was thinking about that earlier this week, you know, after the show was canceled, that that's exactly what happened. That's what canceled the show. And he has this whole, he had this whole beautiful monologue about being sick in Japan with pneumonia and almost dying. It's scary that that was in there. And this is a script that most of us had for about a year. The version we performed was was much different than the one we had, but that was in there the whole time. Oh, interesting. So tell me, how did it go down that you, that you ended up canceling? We all know the situation, but what was the procedure? Did somebody call you? Did the, did the guys get together? Did you, were you all together at the moment it happened? We were all kind of monitoring the situation because, you know, Tim just had the baby. And we talked about it a little bit in the dressing room. So we went home that Saturday and and went through the week. I think it was Thursday morning, the cast, just the cast members had a group message on Facebook and we were asking each other, have you heard anything about cancellations? You know, we've heard this, that there's bans on group sizes over 500, 50% of our capacity would only be 30. Yes. So, so have you heard anything from Neil? So we messaged Chris Hanley first, I believe. And then I think within about five minutes of messaging Chris, Neil messaged us all through email stating that due to the current situations, we're going to cancel the rest of the run. And then he also told us in that same email, I'm not sure if um, the other cast was just carbon copied onto it, that Golden Girls was also going to be canceled in its entirety. Wow. Hey, we got a very official, well-worded email ahead of them canceling it on Facebook. So we knew before they announced it. And then we just kind of monitored what was going on with other theaters to see if they were going to follow suit. None of us were necessarily heartbroken because we did get to perform. We got three weeks of runs in. We saw other performances get canceled before they even got up on their feet. So we were just grateful that we put in the work and we got to show it. We, we didn't lose as much as other people did. Yeah, there were certainly others that, like the curious case of the dog, that were just, when you heard about it, it was just heartbreaking. Of course, it, you know, I was over in Indecent and we canceled in between shows on Saturday. We were all together. We were all sitting in the green room when the word came down. Nobody even wanted to look at each other. It was, it was so heartbreaking. And, and the, the show was a very emotional show. I don't want to bother getting into it right now. But it was one of those shows that just really took a lot out of you. And everybody just sort of avoided each other's eye line yeah. of sight. Nobody wanted to say anything to anybody. And we all left thinking, well, maybe we'll be back next week. But knowing deep in our hearts that... No, we wouldn't be coming back. Now, I suppose because your show did get three weeks in, I suppose there's no talk about bringing it back for anything. Not at this point, no. I think this one is, it's run its course. Yes. I don't think it would be financially wise of Alleyway to do it, to bring it back again. I think the audiences that wanted to see it saw it. And I know that they have really exciting things planned for next year. I know Chris was super excited about it in his audition announcements 
and whenever he came in talking about it, uh, I talked about one of the shows with him in an email, and he was he was over the moon. So they have such great things planned for next season that I think it's fine to say this one ran its course, made its little mark in alleyway history, and <laughs> and it's fine. It'll be nice that Golden Girls is going to be something that comes back. So I know those. Those gentlemen and Todd, they really put a lot into that one, so. I'm planning to talk to Chris. Uh, actually, before all of this hit, I was planning to talk to Chris anyway because he's, he's going to be taking over the reins officially of the alleyway, I think in May or June. And uh, so I had a, a pot of, you know, a full podcast scheduled with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what the status of it is now. I might be doing FaceTiming with him as well. It's not quite as good. You know, I could have just called you and done an audio recording, but there's something about... Nice to see you. It's nice to see you too. And there's something about this one-on-one, not really contact, but a little bit of contact that makes it a little bit less mechanical. Actually, right when you called, uh, Ryan, Ryan is working with Tim Weir. He runs a lot of the open mics in the music community. Yes. They're trying to work on a format so that people who would go to open mics can either do like a free conference call or a Google Meetup session so they can still hold an, an open mic, but it would be in more of a FaceTime format just so that people don't go stir crazy. So that way they can see each other and hear each other at the same time and it's as close to, to the format that they're used to as, as they can get. Would it be public? Would it be like on Facebook um, Live or anything? This one would be just... This one would be closed. It would be whoever is is on the conference call. But I know a lot of musicians are also doing like uh, band together Buffalo. I believe Buffalo M is running that one, and that is uh, like solo performances or small groups that are broadcast via Facebook live stream. And you donate to them and tip them via Venmo. Oh. And I'm sure that you saw uh, Jay Clark and and Katie Clark, Miss Katie Panfill. Yes. They did Irish music on St. Patrick's Day, and I think they raised almost $1,000 to donate to Band Together Buffalo. Isn't that wonderful? It, it was it was great. They were wonderful. And a lot of bands are doing that. They're doing the tips via Venmo, or they're donating to other causes if they're financially able to. And Jamie, what do you, what do you have planned for the future after, I mean, theatrically? Your, your plan right now is to keep going going to work because you are an essential personnel. What do you have scheduled for the future? I think I was one of the few lucky people in Buffalo Theater where Scotch and Madness was the last big production of my season. I was supposed to be part of the women at O'Connell and Company. That one was supposed to be happening tonight. I believe they plan to reschedule it. I'm not sure when. But then after that, my next project would be with Shakespeare in Delaware Park for As You Like It. And I'm very much hoping that the work we're doing right now to social distance and flatten the curve is going to allow those two summer productions to go up. I also- you know that company as well as I do. It's, It's such a treasure and a beautiful experience every summer. And I mean, I would be heartbroken to miss it, but I wanna I wanna see as you, I wanna be there. I wanna be in as you like it. I wanna bring Celia to life. I'm ready. I've already started memorizing, so. I talked to Lisa uh, as part of this whole podcast thing, which I, I didn't love. really explain to you very well, but you know, I just was, I wanted to do something and I wanted to have some kind of a, get something out there so that we could sort of all commiserate. And I did talk to Lisa about it because she was, part of Three Tall Women, and I asked her about Shakespeare, and they're still going ahead with plans, and they are very optimistic. Even if they have to push back a week or so, if necessary, their first, I think, breaking ground is somewhere near the end of May or middle of yeah. May. Our first rehearsal was scheduled to be the 18th or 19th. Of May? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, if she asked us to, I would, 
I would do everything in my power to come in completely off book, even if we had to do a shortened rehearsal shortened, period. As well. A shortened rehearsal schedule, yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we can do it. We're all professionals. Everyone in this community is so capable of more than anyone anyone realizes, whether it's an audience or, or anyone. We're, we're going to come out of this stronger than ever. I know that. Oh, we will. We're going to get through this. I know we will. And that's part of the reason why I'm talking to people, too, because I am kind of isolated here, and it does help me psychologically <laughs> to see a, a pretty face every now and then. Do you have things planned for next uh, season? Um, as of right now, I don't have a ton set in stone. Maybe some things you can't even talk about because they haven't been announced, but yeah. I, I'm sure that at some point you must have yeah. some show Yeah, scheduled. I mean, right now, I'm sure everybody knows at this point, Rocky Horror is my thing. Yes. Um, it's the 45th anniversary of the film. The, River, the Riviera does it every year. I'm, I'm one of the directors of the Shadow Cast. I've done all of the costuming, all of the props. I, I work with new cast members and I teach them how to, to shadow the, the film properly. That's scheduled for the first, the last Friday before Halloween. So this year it should be October 30th at midnight. It's going to be a big year. The anniversary years always are. I'm very excited. How many years is it? 45 years, oh. and it's a real theatrical release. Unbelievable. Never come out of theaters. You're too young, but I actually remember it. I remember when it opened. That's amazing. 45 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tentatively, I have a show that hasn't been announced yet with the new Phoenix. Tentatively, depending on Forest Lawn situation, the Christmas show. Sure. And then I did put in a show proposal for another theater that I haven't heard anything about, but I hope they take it on. The team that was working on it, it, it would be an amazing Piece. Jamie, just out of curiosity, are you planning something special for the 40th anniversary of uh, Rocky Horror? Tentatively, we're going to be marching in the, the Pride Parade. Uh, certain props and things that I haven't had time or I finance the whole thing. It's, it's kind of a labor of love. Tentatively, I'm working on getting the Silver Throne. I'm working on getting a few more costume pieces for our uh, Frankenfurter, uh, Screen Accurate. I've been talking with the beautiful Smyrna Mercedes from O'Connell and Company yeah. help me make uh, screen accurate boas. I don't know if I'll get all four of those made this year, but but she has the talent and you know wonder to make them. So she's agreed to help me on that in that endeavor. So we're gonna try to add more screen accurate things. We add a little bit more every year, but it's gonna be a good year. We're gonna talk to the Riv. I'm gonna talk to the drag queens that work with us for that particular show. Kevin Van Wagner, um, Mike Blaisdell, uh, Jamie Cox and BB, respectively. Yes, yes. Try to work with them and get some bigger things together and have it be as much of a party as we can. And hopefully when it's all over, we'll all throw toilet paper and enjoy that night. So. <laughs> <laughs> and there will be excess toilet paper to do that for everybody. Jamie, nice. thank you so much for talking to me. I, I kept you longer than I expected, but it's a delight. You're fine. And please stay safe. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm sure you'll get through this. And there's something about knowing that people like you are still out there that makes all the rest of us who are locked in, that you have the, uh, the courage to continue on and the strength to continue on and the, the mental strength to continue on that makes us all feel better. <laughs> a customer gave me a bottle of hand sanitizer yesterday and I cried over that too, so... <laughs> How sweet. All right, Jamie, take care. I'll talk to you soon. I hope I see you soon. Bye, Peter. And finally, both Steve and Kelly Cops. Together, after putting their kids to bed, they had the chance to talk to me about their situation, which in Steve's case was the curious case of the dog in the nighttime, and in Kelly's situation was three tall women and second-generation theater in general. 
Well, isn't this delightful? So delightful. Hello. <laughs> Even you, Steve. How are you doing, guys? <laughs> Great. How I'm are good. you? Good. How are you? Did you get the little ones to bed? It was pretty easy. They went to bed pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. What are you doing to tucker them out? Drugging them? Yeah. <laughs> no, tonight we used music. You know, my we mother used to put whiskey on her finger and put it on my gums. It works. Which explains why I'm the way I am. But uh, how are you guys doing? We're okay. Doing well, all things considered, yeah. yeah. Yeah, how are you? I'm so good that I've made up this podcast thing. I was sitting home and I'm thinking, what, what, what am I going to do with myself? I, I want to do something. So I had this idea that maybe I would contact all the people whose shows have been screwed over in one way or the other. Yeah. And, look, and look at, you know, I'm getting a twofer tonight. Yeah, man. Because We're uh, here for you. We're here to make your life easy. So anyway, the point of this whole thing was I thought I would talk to people whose lives had been upended by this whole situation. And in your case, it's like a triple threat because not only you know not only have we got the dog in the nighttime and we've got all the SGT stuff but you you know you're living with two kids that's got to be fun especially special yeah do, do you get out of the house what do you do let's yeah just, no we let's we just talk on a personal level first sure yeah yeah what are you doing to yourselves we um you know i'm drinking <laughs> well, right. As far as getting out of the house is concerned, like we're um, thankfully the the weather has been mostly this week mostly very nice, and so you know getting out and getting fresh air and walking and playing out in the backyard or in the driveway with the kids just to get them out and up and running and exercising and you know expend some of their energy. Yeah, I I decided to myself this morning. I said, you know, get your ass out of bed. And go for right. a walk. And go right. for a walk before it starts raining. Well, I got two blocks away, and it started pouring. <laughs> I had to fast walk my butt back to the house, and uh, and I was I wasn't soaking wet, but it was it was all the more excuse I needed to just sit down and do nothing. I know it's weird, and it's so tricky. This is such a strange like in between time of year, but I mean, it could be winter, it could be blizzard. Right. So and I and I wish the. If the sun would come out, that that would be so helpful just to my mood, if nothing else. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, us too. Because that freaking gray sky is, is just horrible. And I've always got the freaking TV on. And we don't have the TV on, which is probably... Um, Smart. Like the one thing we're doing right right now. Listen... Let's, let's talk to each one of you individually first. Kelly, since okay. I see that you just posted today that, thankfully, and, I, you know, and this is the good part about this whole thing, believe it or not, because I wouldn't have been able to see three tall women. I wouldn't have been able to see The Curious Case of the Dog. I wouldn't have been able to see many shows. And now I'm hoping that they're going to come back in a time when I will be able to see them. So tell me what's going on with SGT. Uh, well, we sort of, I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say, but we kind of lucked out with the timing of it, you know, we canceled over a week before the show. So, you know, there were a lot of expenses that were never incurred or could be reversed, which a lot of companies are not <laughs> lucky enough to to have. But I think we're sort of playing it by ear. I mean, I, I assume we won't be able to have our May, early May fundraiser like we usually do. I don't know if we'll be able to do cabaret. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping against hope that we will, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I don't know. We're, we're sort of trying to focus on our our education stuff right now and keep some content coming for the kids that usually take classes with us. So we've got a Facebook group where they have like a different theater challenge every day that they can do and post or like a, a 
dance class they can do with Facebook Live or Zoom, something like that. So second gen is sort of focusing on the things we can do because there's so much that we all feel like we can't do right now. But yeah, I, I mean, we're just kind of playing it one day at a time. Obviously, Three Tall Women's been rescheduled, hopefully for 2021, 2022. And as far as cabaret goes, we're not making any calls yet. How did that work with Three Tall Women? Well, first of all, was the set built and that sort of stuff? No, and this is, again, one of those weird, fluky things where, you know, because of the schedule at Shays Buffalo, we have a very strange schedule loading into the Smith. So we typically load some things in way earlier than usual, like two weeks out and then can't get in there for a week and then we come in. So Chris Cavanaugh, the lighting set and sound designer for Three Tall Women, had put the floor in and I think that was about it. So he went in and took it up, but you know, there were pieces that hadn't even been purchased yet or could be returned. Like it was early enough in the process that we weren't tearing down a bunch of stuff. So we weren't really in there at all. I think he was maybe in chaise for two days. And maybe you can't answer this, but how does it work with your lease with the building through Shays? I mean, are they charging? Do you pay a rent there? Not a rent, but we do. a lease? We do. We do pay rent. We pay on a show-by-show show basis, and it's it's broken down by rehearsal days versus performance days. Like, that's how the, the rate is calculated. So we have not settled up with them yet because I can't even imagine the amount of ticket exchanging, refunding, the amount of work that's coming across their table right now is insane. But yeah, we will, we will only be charged, if anything, for the time that we were in there. So... In essence, if this had happened a week later, we'd be in a very different place financially for a company that's that small. That week would have made a huge difference. So we're we're feeling lucky in a yeah. sea of trash right now. So. so it's not like they're charging you for a commitment to that space for that time. Correct. And then there's, I know there's union situations going on. Uh, because whenever you're at 710 or you're at Smith, there's, there are also union situations. Mm -hmm. None of those charges, none of those uh, expenses were incurred by you because you weren't actually in the building. Yeah, very, very few, if any. And Shays, especially Michael Murphy and Robert Brunschmidt and John Herbert, they have a history of being extremely reasonable with us and, and generous whenever they can. So... I don't anticipate this situation being any different. But yeah, we were we were lucky. We could have incurred thousands more dollars of expenses just in the, you know, the three days following when we canceled. So, you know, we didn't and, and we'll see how that shakes down. Can you tell me anything about the decision to cancel? Or was it just so obvious because everybody was canceling? You know, it was really weird because when we decided to cancel, they weren't canceling. It was kind of 50-50. Like they had, the announcement had just been made that if you were at a capacity of 500 or more, you had to, or to, you know, to do half capacity. It was kind of a very difficult, tumultuous week. My immediate well, my family lost a, um, a very close family member, so we were sort of living on the edge of all of that information. So it, it kind of, you know, trickled in while we were busy dealing with family things. But we made the decision like the day after Curious decided to close, the day after all of the high school musicals were closing. And we mostly made it for the health of our performers, especially when one of them came to us with some concerns. At, at that point, you can't ignore when your performers or employees are saying that they are concerned. We've sort of felt very strongly like that was the decision we were going to have to make. And then after talking it over with our board president and the Shays team, it became apparent that they all felt the same way as well. And that's what so, was so interesting, too. Like that weekend when you guys were still going and um, Road Less was still going and other places had already shut down 
you know, for the weekend and then indefinitely. It was really interesting to see the social media comments of who was saying like, oh, you know, just the different sides, way to close down, it's the only choice to make. And the other people that were saying, oh yeah, art has to continue. It just was very interesting to to look at all of that and whose voices were suddenly piping up in favor of one decision or the other. While we still had all of this information changing by the hour at that point. And in retrospect, it was it was really a simple choice. There really wasn't any choice. No, but it did feel there was there was at least well, at least like 24 to 36 hours where it felt like yeah maybe 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 we could squeak in maybe we can it was it was very it was very scary but it did as soon as we started talking about it it seemed like if we're even having this conversation then you can't do the show even those of us who were doing the show thought that we were on borrowed time there was just no question that this we know this is going to end and nobody wanted it to end but there was no question that it that it had to end and, and I was talking to a friend of mine tonight whose husband suffered a stroke back in, like, November. When they said today, well, this could go on for another month or, or more, and my first reaction was, oh, it's only been a week? And then I thought about this friend of mine whose husband suffered this stroke, and mm-hmm. suddenly she had to take over everything. And I called her and I said, you are my inspiration. You changed your whole life. And it's been five months, and there's no relief in sight for her. At least we see, you know, a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. I said, you, you're my inspiration. I was really feeling down this morning, and then I thought about you, and I thought, you really have convinced me that we can and will adjust. We'll make it through, you know, and it was very difficult to see that this morning. Because I get out of bed, I don't know about you, I get out of bed, and I turn the TV on. And I think, what's going to greet me this morning? And I, and I don't dare not turn it on because, because, you know, the world might have ended and I missed it last night. What happens when we get out of bed, Steve? <laughs> uh, we usually have to either watch a cartoon or get some breakfast and play some Matchbox cars. Let me ask you, what cartoon are the kids watching? Oh, my God. It depends. It, 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 All of them, it varies day to day, but uh, they have, like, a Rolodex of maybe a dozen shows on Netflix that they like to cycle through. <laughs> you know, for me, if it's not the old Warner Brothers cartoons with Roadrunner and, and Coyote and a Foghorn leg, Leghorn and, no, no, boy, it'll never get off the ground. That's it. If I don't, if it's not Warner Brothers cartoons... I just don't get the modern... Uh, I'm such an old fart about this. You know, I, but I'll tell you, they just Netflix just put Space Jam on. Noah, at least, my older boy, knows who Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote are, and yeah. he was, like, commenting on them, because I was like, hey, can we... You know, this morning, usually, I'm like, whatever you guys want to watch it. I got up with them this morning, and it was, like, with Noah, and it was, like, 6.30 in the morning, and I said... Uh, Hey, man, whatever you want to watch is fine. Then I saw Space Jam, and I went, wait, I said, do you want to watch Space Jam? And he was, like, naming the characters, and then all of a sudden I got excited, and all of a sudden he's like, nah, I don't think so. I was like, dude, as I'm with you, I love the old Looney Tunes and all those guys. They have, have like, nine different shows on Netflix where cars talk and do weird things like transform into human shapes that make you wonder, like, why isn't this show just about humans? It's... (laughs) It's really interesting, but they watch all of those. Mm-hmm. Our oldest is a con artist about that, actually. Noah will tell us um, now, to me especially, Mom, um, why don't you take a rest? I'll watch some YouTube. I'm doing this for you, Mom. Yeah. Well, right, oh. right. Yeah, he is, he is, not, he is not dumb. No. They really, they really know how to train you, don't they? They do. They do. Steve, tell me a little bit about the 
as far as I'm concerned, the biggest sadness of the whole year so far, the end, the demise, the, the stunning, it was stunning. It took my breath away when I heard that, the, that you guys weren't even open, the curious case of the dog in the nighttime. I so wanted to see it. Frankly, I didn't think I would be able to see it because I couldn't even get to see a, a, you know, a preview or anything. But when I heard it wasn't even going to open... And it was what the day before. It was opening night. And we we got yeah they they canned us opening night like at four. We got the phone call at like four thirty p.m. on opening night, and it it was sad because I you know I I made my peace with it fairly quickly because as Kelly said we were dealing with some family stuff so I just was very happy to stay with the family at that point in time. But I will tell you that because of the nature of the show and the technology in it and the the lighting set, sound design, all that stuff, the show is based, it's steeped in that. And it's very much, you know, an extra actor in the show, the tech stuff. So we, we had rehearsals. I mean, we had already been rehearsing for like five weeks by the time we were about to have an audience, you know? So it felt like we were doing this for a long time. And you know, I had friends that were like, are you guys open yet? Like, I feel like you've been at this for a while. And I was like, well, I have. And we were just as a group, it was a 10 person cast. And um, we had two tech weekends. We had a lot of like stumbling through with the tech and adjusting the tech. And so, you know, it, it was an experience that you didn't, we didn't focus a lot on the text and like a lot of the acting value of the, sh of the show until like the week we were going to open and have an audience. And so we were getting back to it and everybody was really excited and we were like, really, we felt like the show was really clicking and starting to gel and it looked beautiful. And then we had our preview audience, which was the Shays volunteers. And that was a lot of fun. And that was almost, that was Wednesday night. So we got, we got the call on Thursday afternoon that we weren't going to open, but that, that Wednesday was the payoff for us because for a while, you know, if had we not had an audience at all, it would have been like very heartbreaking as a group because we weren't we wouldn't have been able to share anything with a with anyone. But our volunteer audience was pretty big. I don't know if they were, you know, it was a few hundred. I don't know how many exactly, but it was it was cool to at least do that. And that evening, Michael Murphy said, "Hey, no, we're gonna open. You know, we're definitely don't you worry, we're gonna open." And we got really excited, got like a little pep talk from him. And then, you know, of course, Thursday happened and Cuomo came down with that edict about mass gatherings of 500 and being a six person, 600 person house yes. at the J710. That was, we knew that it was not going to happen. And I knew before I even got the phone call, I was very much expecting it. So when Michelle Eisen called us and kudos to her for giving us all a personal phone call and delivering us the news, um, you know, we found out we weren't going to be able to open and it. It was, and I felt really, I felt for um, Samuel Festmeyer, who was playing Christopher, the lead of the show, the the teenager um, on the spectrum. He was, it's a part, unlike any he's ever had, and I think he was giving it his all and doing a really, really good job. And um, I'm just very disappointed that he wasn't going to get to share that with the public and artistically must have been disappointing for him. I know nothing about the show except, you know, what I saw in the Tony Awards a couple of years ago and the pictures that, that someone posted, maybe Michelle, uh, of your set, which looked spectacular. I don't know what the technical requirements were or, or anything like that, but I, I was so, as I said, I was so looking forward to it. Has there been any talk about the possibility of it coming back? A year, even two years. I, you know, specifically, I don't know. I, I, we have been, we were asked for our availability in the foreseeable future, and, and most notably for next season, the 2020-2021 season. And I do think that they are trying for um, a time in there at some point. I mean, I heard rumors maybe February or March, um, winter, spring, 2021. Was the set such that it could be 
stored that it could be deconstructed and put away and put in a garage put in your garage i'm sure you have space <laughs> yeah, especially I mean, in our garage I mean, <laughs> you know what you'd have to have a pretty big garage uh it's very tall set i think yes i think that it probably could have i mean it certainly was a unit set it it probably it was on a bunch of casters but i'm pretty sure that they could have you know taken all that stuff down it wasn't like not going to speak for the tech crew but i think if they had to yes they probably could salvage it and put it somewhere and bring did, it back who, out at some point who designed it steve uh lynn kashelniak oh yeah that's right i did read that yeah i did read yeah and she also designed the lights um as well and so having the same person on both of those designs i think really worked well for our purposes and you know so she could communicate with herself where set lights were concerned and her work was beautiful i mean she did a, she did an amazing job and then chris ash christopher ash did uh our projections and i can't i can't begin to tell you i he was this, probably the second person i felt for the most that their work wouldn't necessarily be seen because his projection work was stunning and a lot of the visuals and the animations that he got into this show i mean i really do hope that the, the show is done again or is brought back because it was really the type of show where an audience can look at it and go holy cow like this this is what pooling your resources between five companies looks like. This is what artistry, even at the local level, looks like. I mean, people were really, especially the design team, were really, like, pouring. I mean, it was their best work, and they were pouring their hearts and soul into it. Kelly, I, I, I meant to ask you, for Three Tall Women, do you have to somehow apply—I know you have to apply for the rights to begin with, but he's very particular—well, his estate is very particular about who they grant rights to. If you— if you if you did want to bring this back in 20, 21, 22, which I think is what you sort of announced, right? Yeah. Is, is there a situation where you have to reapply? Yeah, and Kristen typically handles most of that on our end, but I, I would imagine, you know, once we get in touch with them, it should be a just an issue of applying for different dates. Now, the other question that comes along with that is rights companies require you to pay something, if not everything, in advance. In advance. So... Right. And typically, especially in Buffalo, where it turns into a wild race to get the shows you want and then the humans you want and everything else, they've been paid way in advance. So something that we're still sort of waiting to find out is, you know, are we if we move the show, can we just, you know, count that payment? Are we losing that? We've changed dates before many times, as I suspect many other theaters have. But this is sort of, you know, unprecedented territory for for a lot of us. Yeah, I I can't remember the name of the show. I was in some Irish classical show that was Edward Albee. And at the time, he was still alive. I cannot think of the name of it now. How crazy of me. But at the time, we had to submit a picture and a resume. And then he had wow. to approve who was in it, and apparently his, <laughs> now that he's gone, he's not fighting quite as hard. Probably <laughs> did, did anybody not get approved? I don't think so. You know what? I don't know if they, when they cast it, I don't know if they cast it and uh, with the provision that if you are approved. I, I do remember that they said, <laughs> you know, we're oh. casting you, but please submit this so we can submit this to... Edward Albee, and he will approve or not approve. He was apparently notoriously picky, and I was surprised <laughs> to have been allowed to do it. <laughs> Listen, you guys, I've already spoken to you way longer than I've, I've taken too much of your time. I can see that Steve is anxious to get up in the morning for cartoons. Totally. So I, I don't want to keep you any longer, but 
probably, you know, this this whole podcast thing, I'm trying to get somebody from every theater, but I've gotten such a positive response in most cases that I might end up making this two podcasts. So yeah. if and when it, uh, it uh, gets put together and drops... And again, it's at least partially to give me something to do while I'm sitting here, because I'll, I'll edit <laughs> we all. Don't need that, though. You know, I'll edit all of this, take out all the spots where I go, uh, and you know, and I try to make us all sound less dumb. Dude, that, that'd be great. Thank yeah. You. Mostly, I take out my parts because if I take out all the parts where I sound dumb, it cuts it down by half. So, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when <laughs> so when I find out when and if and when it's going to drop, I'll let you know. But thanks so much for talking yeah, to me. Too. No problem, but and will you just make sure if we've said anything grammatically incorrect that you um, delete it, strike it from the record, please? Kelly, you know better than that. You already know the answer to that question. So you're going to leave it in and add in a part where you yourself correct us? I will, I will insert, like if you said, that don't mean anything, you'll hear that and I'll put in there, doesn't. <laughs> I've got the technology to do it. I have no That's doubt. Awesome. Yeah. All right, kids. <laughs> I love you both. Take care. Good night. So there you go. Four delightful guests uh, for the price of one. Uh, Free, as a matter of fact. So I'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, a regularly scheduled podcast. I have several people that I had scheduled to interview, but now, of course, with all of this isolation junk, uh, who knows? I hate to keep doing it via telephone or FaceTime because that's so impersonal and I do really enjoy sitting face-to-face with people and catching their sideways glances at me as they ask themselves, how the hell did I get into this mess? But things are changing rapidly and who knows, maybe I'll be able to get out of the house and uh, meet some of these people, meet with some of these people and interview them for future podcasts. I do have a few that are already recorded, so that's what you'll be hearing over the next couple of weeks. Next time we get together, it will be Amanda Sharp, who does one of the most important jobs in theater that you could possibly imagine. She is a dialect coach, and she helps all of us on the stage sound better, sound like we actually belong in the play that we're in, sound like we're not completely miscast. That's what Amanda Sharp does. So I'll be talking to her next time about what she does, how she does it, and talk about delightful. She is a wonderful, a wonderful interview. So I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Stay safe, everybody. Stay socially distant and stay sane. This is Pete Pomisano for Off-Road, an RLTP podcast. See you soon, my friends. (laughs) ¶¶